With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. It's already done. It's the Pressure Points Unpacked Podcast. With host Tyra Little. We're live Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. This show deals with personal and community issues by getting to the root cause and causes on an open and raw level. We're unpacking emotional, spiritual, mental, and physical topics that influence and often control us. Get ready to unload, examine, and process. Let's get unpacked on Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Well, hello and welcome to Pressure Points Unpacked Podcast. I'm your host, Tyra Little. And this month, we're going to be bringing back some of the different people that we have interviewed while they were campaigning. And so today, we're going to kick it off, I think, is right on time because we're looking at just starting the school year. So this month, the kids will be going back to school. And so we're bringing back Robert Lomanek. He's the Richland District 1 School Board Commissioner. So Robert, welcome to the show. I thank you for finding time to come back on to be with us. We enjoyed you when you came on before. And so welcome. Well, I'm glad to be here, Tyra, and I'm glad that I found the right place this time. If you remember last time, I ended up an hour away on a two-notch road in Lexington looking for your place, and you were not too happy when I called and said, I will not be there on time. We're going to do this by phone, and I pulled off on the side of a pretty noisy highway, so I am happy to be here in person with you. Yes, 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 and to your defense, at the time, we did not know that there were two ends of too much road that had the same exact address, except the other address was in Lexington. So I'm glad that you're here. So Robert, I want to start off with, I don't want to insult anyone's intelligence, but what I would love for you to do is to explain to the listeners, what is the role of the school board and what exactly do the commissioners do? Yeah, I mean, so we've got a number of roles. I mean, you know, one of the things that I'm often reminded is that one of our primary roles is to create policy, and that's absolutely true. I mean, we are supposed to create policy that can then drive the the day-to-day operations of the district, but we also have oversight responsibilities. We have oversight responsibilities over the superintendent and his office to make sure that they are carrying out what we think needs to happen in the district. We've got fiduciary obligations, so we've got oversight op- uh, obligations about how we're spending our money. Um, And that's set out, in fact, in our procurement code, uh, that we do have some operational oversight that we have to, that we really have to to take on. And that does not mean that we get involved in every day-to-day decision, but it does mean that we should be asking questions and getting information so that we can provide that real oversight. Okay. That's that's, that's good to know because what I find is a lot of times, You know, we'll vote on different positions, but we really need to have the full understanding um, as to what exactly does that role entail, because a lot of times there's so many different things, you know. We may have just this one view that, well, the school board just does, you know, they just make policy or whatever, but not understanding that there are so many more, you know, roles to that. one of the things that I can say that just from from interviewing you um, before, um, oh, well, let me say this. I just realized when I looked on Instagram yesterday, so now we knew that when you came into the um, – for last year that it was going to be a short year because you were um, coming in on someone else's terms, correct? That's right. Okay. So I saw on Instagram yesterday that you have now filed to run 
for school board commissioner again. That's right. So I have filed to run in District 3 in the school district I filed yesterday, and um, so I'm excited about that. So it just announced Congratulations. Well, Thank you. Congratulations. Congratulations. Um, one of the things that, I can, that I've seen you do um, throughout this time, and I like it, and I'm sure, you know, I've heard different people talk about it as well, is that you, you're transparent. So you have a website that's set up that any time that you have voted no on something, that you actually explain why you voted the way that you did. Um, and I think that's important because when a lot of times people may not have time to go to the school board meetings or you think about the whole situation of COVID, what we just had, I mean, you know, people weren't able to. Now, I'm pretty sure that maybe you had more people that maybe took the time to view because people were at home. But I think it's really good to take that time to be transparent enough so that people can go back, they can look at it. Um, you're providing them with an area that they can see everything that they need to see and that the answers are there. You know, the one thing that we know, no one is going to be able to make everybody happy. Um, but I think giving people something that they could view and that they could see why your reasons were your reasons, it makes a difference, you know? Well, I'm glad to hear you say that. I mean, one of the things I know is that we all complain that none of us is engaged enough in all of our elections. And I think the reality is there are so many elections and so many elected officials that we're responsible for. It's asking a lot of everyone to be up to speed on every single issue. Right. And one of the things, I really do think the school board is the most important organization in our county. I think our public schools are the gravity of our communities, mm -hmm. um, the center of gravity of our communities. And, and so one of the things I've wanted to do is engage folks. And that doesn't mean that people are going to agree with me, but I have tried to make it easy to at least figure out what, why I think the way I think and also make it easy for people to watch the YouTube video of the board meetings or uh, get some documents that were, that were posted somewhere um, just so that we can get people engaged in the process so they feel like they have more of a stake and right. an interest in it. And I think in the long term, that's going to be uh, beneficial to everybody. Absolutely. Um, I definitely agree. It looks like we have um, some callers. So I'm going to open up the line. Um, but, you know, right before I open up the line, and I'm going to start off with caller 5375. So caller 5375, get ready in a second. I'm going to open up the line for you. But one of the things that I do want you to explain also, um, Robert, is that before you tell us about what you actually do. So prior to you being on the school board, being nominated and running, what were you already doing in the community? Well, so I was a school teacher uh, for seven years, public school teacher in Richmond one. And before that, I actually was a lawyer representing men on death row. And the reason I bring that up is because in every case, it was my job to tell the story of my client's childhoods. And we had an entire team assembled for every case. So we'd have a social worker and a very specialized uh, investigator. We'd have a psychiatrist and a psychologist, and we mm -hmm. would interview every human on the planet that had ever uh, seen or had any contact with my clients. And <clears throat> I was interviewing uh, some teachers down in Florida and one was the fourth grade teacher and one was the fifth grade teacher. And the fourth grade teacher had written, we expect great things from Jesse in the years to come. And the fourth grade teacher had no idea the life that Jesse had encountered up until that point. And of course, by the time I got all these records, I knew what had happened to Jesse before and after that point. And the fifth grade teacher knew that something was wrong, mm -hmm. but didn't know and didn't have the support to address it. And I, I'll never forget meeting with those teachers, and, um, and, and they just said, what happened to Jesse? And teachers know that that's the question to ask, not what was wrong with Jesse, but what happened to mm -hmm. Jesse. And I told them, and they just started crying, and they said, we had no idea. And I just thought, mm -hmm. these teachers don't have the support to address issues that are outside of their control. So um, I became a, a public school teacher in Richmond one and I saw firsthand that we don't have all the support uh, that we need to address all of these outside of school factors that find their way inside the, inside the classroom. And so I started a nonprofit while I was teaching 
Uh, and then after uh, teaching for uh, those seven years, the nonprofit grew enough that I couldn't do both. And so I made the really tough decision to, to dedicate myself to the nonprofit. And um, uh, we have a social worker and a behavior interventionist and a reading interventionist. And we work with one grade level of students and follow them each year mm -hmm. to show that if you provide that level of intense support to the teachers and the kids and the families, you'll see, uh, you know, big time success stories. Um, and I, my organization, we also, um, we also advocate for public schools at the state house and for public education generally. Oh, wow. Which is, which is huge. That's really important. Um, because um, as we know, legislature, legislature, legislature is where things change. And we really have to be um, dedicated to that as well. So then let me back up for a second. So basically, you stopped teaching because. So if you so. To to run that nonprofit full time, we just we were taking on new kids each year, and at some point, I just knew I already had a, a full time social worker, but we needed more, um, and they needed more from me, and um, and but one of the other things I realized is um, these kids, you know, I. I wasn't able to provide the teachers the support that I wanted to provide because I was teaching during the school day. Mm -hmm. And so we realized that the teachers needed more support. So after I quit teaching, um, we were able to embed ourselves in a school full time and provide those teachers the support they needed. So our, our promise to them was, if you're struggling with a student in your class, we will be at your door within 60 seconds or less of getting your phone call so that we can help the student before they spiral out of control, help that teacher Mm -hmm. Right. So mm -hmm. that they can continue teaching. Um, and so, you know, that proved to be really successful, but I couldn't do that and teach. Um, but I should say, you know, you also can't be on the school board and be a teacher. Uh, I wish that weren't so, uh, but you can't do both. And we right. have a system set up so that teachers cannot be on the school board. And the only way to have a, you know, a former teacher voice on the school board is that they be a former teacher, which means they have to quit at some point. Okay. All right. Well, let's go to the phone line. So I'm going to start off because this was the first one that I saw. Um, 5375. So 5375, welcome to Pressure Points Unpacked Podcast. And we would like to hear from you. Wow. Thank you for having me and welcome back. Um, thank you, Mr. Loman. Thank you so much. Um, and congratulations. Congratulations. And I hope to see you through. I had just a few questions. My name is Sharon. Um, I'm a retired educator, and I noticed um, on your webpage or your blog, and they were talking about teacher's pay. I don't want to be a devil's advocate and things like that because, um, you know, I, you sound like you really are, are for teachers and things like that. Did they resolve the issue with the teacher's pay this summer? Well, first of all, thank you for being a, a, a teacher and, and for everything that you've done. Um, I, think, I think they're making progress. Um, so some of the teachers, some of the issues are that uh, teachers had not been paid yet for some mentoring responsibilities from the prior school year. And then there was also a group of teachers that were struggling to get paid for their summer work. And then there are also other teachers who have reached out and said, you know, I got some extra pay on my check some months back, and I called to find out what that was for to make sure I was getting paid for my various responsibilities, and I was told that they didn't know and they wouldn't be able to figure that out. So all of those added up to me just having some real concerns about what we're doing, and I don't want teachers to ever feel like they've got to, inter they've got to email school board members to try to make sure that they're getting paid. They should never have to... Uh, to, to fight to get paid on time or late. I want that just to happen, especially when teachers are volunteering to do extra work. I mean, what, one of the teachers said is, listen, I don't have to do some of this stuff, and it makes me not want to do it anymore if I'm going to have to email a bunch of people to get paid. Um, but I think we are in the process of getting most of those resolved. There's still some issues that some folks have reached out to me today about, but I, I think we're getting there. Wow. And on that note, to piggyback on that, will I didn't see or hear anything about where did they give the teachers a raise in Richmond one? Because also I noticed there's a shortage of teachers. Yes, yes, so ma'am, you are right. Uh, you know, 
we've got a lot of vacancies. Um, we did give a, a raise at the, the last board meeting. We finalized the budget, and I, I don't, I haven't checked to see, but I suspect that the new salary schedule is on the website. Um, and I'm pretty sure I'm correct in saying this. We gave a $1,500 raise to uh, to our certified, to our teachers, and I think we gave a $1,000 raise uh, to our to our other other staff. Um, I'd need to double check that, but we definitely gave a $1,500 raise to to all of our teachers. Oh, that didn't. Well, they didn't. You know, I guess how would that add up at the end of the year? Because a lot of people will say, "Well, we got a 5% raise, teachers this way. You know, an extra 1,500 a month." Well, it's, so this it's is better, a, something's better than nothing. Well, that's right, and th this is fifteen hundred dollars for each teacher for their annual salary, and it and it's not just for this year; it'll keep going. Okay. And you know, I, I you know, for all of my criticisms of the district, I do know that you know there is a finite amount of money, and and we do have to figure out how much we can give. And there was a real push to make sure we paid teachers extra. One of the things that I keep saying though is that. It's not just about the pay. Um, teachers leave when they don't feel like they've got the support they need. And I uh -huh. had a teacher reach out to me and say, I'm going to a different district that's paying me less, and now I have a commute, but I'm going to have more support. So I want wow. us to both pay our teachers, but I also want to make sure we're supporting them. Wow. Thank wow. you. Sharon, we thank you so much for calling in. I'm going to have to move on to the next caller. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon. Okay. Caller 2712, last four 2712, welcome to Pressure Points Unpacked Podcast. Hello. Hi. My question is this. Why are the people in the lower Richland area disrespected by the superintendent and by not putting Dr. Hersey back at Lower Richland. Wow. Oh, I, you know, I wish that, one, I wish I had the answers. Um, if you've, you know, if you've watched the school board meetings, you'll know that I've, I've definitely raised questions about that process, about the fact that it happened at all. Um, you know, I said at the last school board meeting, you know, some of our, our, our schools are, are losing 30 and 40% of their teachers every year for three, four, or five years at a time. And we can't afford to have that happen at our schools. And then you've got a school like Lower Richland High School. And I, I could be wrong about this because we haven't gotten the data from the administration yet, but what I'm told by folks at Lower Richland is that only six teachers out of 80-something teachers left at the end of last year. And what I said before is that when teachers stay at a school, they are saying a lot of things about their principal. And one of the things they're saying about their principal is we trust you. And so in this day and age when it is so hard to retain our teachers and there's a shortage of teachers to recruit from, we cannot afford to get rid of some of our best principals. And that's one of my biggest concerns about what we did at Lower Richland High School. Uh, I know from based on that last meeting that we had that the Lower Richland community is not going to uh, go away. And I, and I encourage people to keep advocating for, for change in how we address uh, issues like this and how we treat our principals. That's great. I appreciate that. How do we communicate that? Because teachers aren't feeling that with the administration at the top. Well, they're not. And, and, and I'll tell you, one of the things I hear from teachers a lot is, you know, Sometimes we don't find out about decisions like this until we've all already signed a contract. And, and, and that makes us feel disrespected because we may have decided to go elsewhere and, we've, and now we feel trapped. Um, what I will tell you is that that last school board meeting was powerful. Uh, I was so happy to hear from, from folks in the community um, and every speaker to a person, I thought just gave us a lot of feedback. And it doesn't mean that everybody said something that, they agree with me or that I agree with, but it gives us food for thought. I'd like to see more of that at every school board meeting. Um, but, you know, as I said at the last meeting, I think it's time for a change in direction. Uh, it's nothing personal, but I think that we just need to move in a different direction and that we as a board 
are going to lose the credibility in our communities if we don't change direction. So I think that, that we're going to need to continue to push for that. Wow. Why did the the officers, the whoever, the powers that be, decide that there needed to be so much police presence at that particular meeting? Mm-hmm. I was offended. Well, and I, and, and I understand that for sure. I, I was a little surprised, actually, when I looked out of a window and saw how many police cars there were. I, you know, I think that we could be more thoughtful about how we handle these school board meetings generally. I will say one of the things that's frustrated me is we have seen school board meetings in other places get out of hand, and we have seen uh, school board members treated I think really terribly in some other places, but not in Richland One. And so I'd like to see us give the benefit of the doubt to our communities that we are different um, and, and that we can uh, come to these meetings and, and, and disagree, uh, but do it civilly, which is exactly what happened the other day. I'll also say that, you know, we seem to not want to let people use our names when they make comments at these, at these meetings. We are elected officials. And if, if we can't take someone calling us out by name, then maybe we shouldn't be elected officials. I mean, that's part of what we're supposed to do is take the heat. And listen, I have, and my name's been called out plenty on social media and otherwise and, and in person. And, and that's okay. That's part of our job. Um, and so I, I always get concerned when we start trying to control it too much because I feel like it is disrespectful to the people that have taken the time to show up and speak out. Wow. Wow. Caller, I thank you so much for calling in. I mean, you've you've asked some very good questions. Um, And this is what this podcast is about. You know, we're here for the community, to talk to the community, to have a safe place where we can have these conversations. No one is ever going to agree wholeheartedly with everything that someone says, but we have to begin to understand that there are different views. Um, Be open enough to listen and to say and to invite a different opinion. Because if you listen to it, it can be valid and just be open to it and go from there with making decisions. So I definitely thank you for calling in and we're gonna get ready to go to the next caller. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Before before I go, would you okay. address also why Dr. Hersey was demoted? Well, I mean, it's a good question. I mean, I've, I've asked that question. Um, we haven't been told yet. I mean, here's the thing. Uh, as I said in my initial statement about this issue, I was concerned that it was personal more than personnel. Uh, it is true that the board is, is sometimes playing two roles. And there are times when the administration has to keep information from the board until they've finished whatever they're looking into. But I have been concerned by how this process, I mean, we often hear that there's a process and a procedure. And I've been concerned about how this process has played out. And I will tell you that, you know, I've worked in this district. I've been in this district since, uh, you know, 2004 or so. And one of the things I've been concerned about in recent years is that principals who push the district for things that their schools and their students and their families need are sometimes the first principles to get pushed out. And principals who have learned how to play the game and never criticize and never push for anything for their school uh, say whether or not they're succeeding at their jobs. And I think that's, that is a culture that we have to address and really examine because I'm concerned that that's, that's part of what we're seeing here. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for calling in. Thank you. Okay. Caller 5315. 5315. Welcome to Pressure Points Podcast. Well, thank you so much. Hello, everyone. Hi. Um, Listen, I have been a um, uh, concerned about our school system for quite a while. Robert, I have listened um, to you in a number of different scenarios. I keep, and I want to thank you so much for your updates you give online. 
all of us are crazy busy, but, you know, your updates in terms of what happened, I like your transparency with your thought process. You said, yes, I, I agreed or I didn't agree, and here's why. So I wish other folk would do the same thing because that is so helpful um, to all of us. But, you know, I'm kind of, I want to ask a question that's kind of been answered already because we talked about it a lot, but you did ask for the superintendent's resignation. So um, give me a little bit more on that. I know about the couple of things that happened in uh, Lower Richland or whatever, but I think this is a good opportunity for people to kind of change your position on that. You know, so you asked for it, what was your rationale behind the things that, in addition to what happened at, um, at Eau Claire? Well, yeah, so, you know, and I meant it when I said at the school board meeting that, that I didn't make that motion lightly. Um, but the contract that the school board has with the superintendent contains uh, a clause that allows the school board at any time to terminate the contract for any reason. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think, it's, I think it's important to recognize that, that that clause is in there for a reason, because sometimes we realize we need to change directions. And one of my biggest concerns has been um, the, the, the running off teachers to our neighboring school districts and then the inability to recruit. And I get it. This, the teacher shortage is a statewide problem, and it's a national problem, but that does not explain why Richland One has lost more teachers than any other district. And when I ask questions about that and ask for information about that, for example, I've been asking for the teacher turnover for each school for months. I've been asking for the exit interviews from the teachers who have left the district so we can get a sense in their own words why they left the district. Um, I'm stonewalled. I'm not given that information. And I do know that in District 1, teachers, and this is coming from information that we were provided at our board retreat back in spring, teachers their, their school administration at a rate that is four times that the state average. And that's why, you know, I keep saying we've got schools like Lower Richland High School that's hardly losing any teachers. And we've got other schools that are losing 30, 40 percent. What are we doing to address those schools? Is it a school leadership problem at that school? Is it, is it that school needs more support that it's not getting? We don't know. And we're not talking to teachers. I keep saying we've got to come up with a system to talk to teachers more. And what I told is, well, teachers know they can call us. Well, it shouldn't be on teachers to call us. We should have, we should be proactive in going to those schools and meeting with those teachers. I was just talking to a district leader today, and, and I asked, like, what happens when you've got a school that's two, three, four years in a row losing 30, 40 percent of the teachers? Well, they have to keep that and then put that on the performance plan if they determine that the criticisms from the teachers uh, really at the principal, or if what they learn is that the school needs more support in other areas, focus on that. But they go to the school and they listen to the teachers and staff. And I'm really frustrated that despite the fact that we lost 20% of our teachers, we didn't do any of that. We're still not listening to, to our teachers. So uh, I just think that we have got to change that direction because we cannot, we have 208 vacancies as of the last school board meeting last week. We can continue down this road. So I just felt like now is the time to change before uh, we keep going down this path. Well, I really appreciate that because um, that gave me a big uproar perspective. And I want to thank you. You know, unfortunately, you're the only person I think on the school board that's been in the classroom. Um, so you clearly have a clean perspective that some others may not have. But thank you for what you're doing. I do, I do appreciate that. Thank you. Well, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Carla, for calling in. We appreciate it. Next caller that we're going to, um, your last four is ending in 7768. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Hi, how are you? Okay. I'm well. How are you guys? Doing well. So I have two questions. The first question is um, I've been watching the school board meetings for quite a while now, and some of the behavior that is displayed by um, multiple members of the school board is absolutely disgusting. I am curious, are there any type of um, professional development or training programs that are offered to the board? And then number two is, um, we hear a lot about just culture in society now, and I, I've had experiences as a parent with some teachers and people employed in the district that are just absolutely afraid to speak up, even though it could be an issue that is clearly something that needs to be addressed. I've been told as a parent I would have more say or would have more impact 
than they would. Does the board have anything in place or plan to do anything about these, these employees who are feeling as if they don't have a voice to even give feedback for improvement in our schools? Well, I, I'm going to take your questions backwards. I'm going to take that last one first, because, and I really appreciate you asking that question. Uh, I, I am told all the time that teachers are not retaliated against, and they shouldn't be fearful of criticizing the district or coming to the district. But let me tell you, every time teachers hear that, they cringe, because teachers can name names of who's been retaliated against. And I have told the superintendent about one in particular. And I still remember when uh, the district took the printers out of teachers' classrooms and teachers didn't know until they showed up at school and nobody realizes what a big deal that is. But that means when a teacher wants to print something out to send, a, send home with a kid, uh, they'd have to walk five minutes each way and you can't do that because you've got kids in your classroom all day. So there were some teachers who wanted to come to the school board meeting and express their concerns. Well, that day, and I got the same email. We got an email from the, the school district attorney reminding everyone about the, uh, the chain of command. And the, the hint was, do not come to this school board meeting. Uh, you need to speak to someone else first about it. Of course, the problem was the people who made that decision were at the school board meeting, not at the schools. Um, and I have seen instances in which principals have retaliated against teachers uh, for, for a variety of reasons. So this fear is real, and I, am, I really am sick and tired of people telling teachers that they are being irrational to be afraid to speak out. Uh, we've got to do better than that, and we've got to create a culture not where we blame teachers for being fearful, but where we show up at their schools and listen to them. Um, because until we do that, they will continue to be afraid. And if, if gosh, I mean, if anyone needs to exhibit A, uh, go ask Dr. Hersey. Um, um, if, people should be, if people should be afraid. Um, now, as far as conduct at school board meetings, listen, I'm not going to, I promise, I'm not here to criticize any other board member. I, I have worked hard and I have not succeeded at every board meeting at, you know, maintaining my composure. Uh, I work really hard not to interrupt people. I'm bad about that in real life, and there have been some school board meetings where, where I did that. The first couple of meetings, I didn't really know what I was doing, and so I didn't realize that you needed to be called on uh, before you spoke and kind of called out. And the, the Chairman Bishop was very kind, actually, after one meeting, because you know, at some point people were just getting sick of it, because I would just raise my hand and start speaking. And he said, you know, you need to wait to be, to be called on. And so it took me a while to kind of learn the dynamics and, and, and listen, people will say things that sometimes upset me. I'm working hard to, one, not interrupt, and quite often I'm working hard not to respond to anything that I think is more personal or if I think it's just not productive. Um, and I think that's just something that, you know, uh, each of us has to do our own, uh, you know, on our own, and we've got to police ourselves. Um, but, you know, I think when, when community members send us emails or come to school board meetings and, and call us out for stuff like that, I think it matters, and I think that's one way to change it. There's no, we don't have any, you know, training that's specific to it. I think we all just need to remember that, you know, my former students are watching us, um, and, and, and our current students are watching us, and we've just got to remember that every time we talk. Absolutely. That's it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for calling in. Wow. Well, <laughs> I was I was going to ask you, I mean, how has your time been on the school board? But I mean, in the questions that we have just gotten back to back to back, I mean, um, wow. It, it, you know, wow. It, it, it sounds like it's a lot. Um, it is. I tell you, though, getting calls like this, and I, I mean, when we were sitting here right before we went on air, I got some a message from somebody that I don't know. I don't, I don't know where they teach or what they do, but I am seeing a, an, an increase in the level of engagement. And, mm -hmm. and that's what we need because we need people watching us. Right. We need people disagreeing with us or agreeing with us, but, but talking to us because, you know, we always talk about all the stakeholders we have, but if we're not engaging them, right. then they're not really stakeholders. Uh, they're just on the outside. And so, you know, I am really happy to hear that folks are focused on these issues mm -hmm. and are taking their time to call us tonight and ask for some answers. I mean, that gives me hope that we're moving in the right direction, right. and we just got to keep doing it. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many hours I spent on the phone uh, with people from the lower risk community who didn't know me and I didn't know them. 
but they wanted to call because they were concerned about how Dr. Hersey was treated. And, you know, I, I took every call happily, not because of the circumstances, but because I was so glad that people care so much right. about their school that they're willing to take time to call me. And it wasn't just people. I heard from probably half a dozen students. And mm -hmm. I will tell you this. These kids, I mean, they're, they're almost young adults at this point, but I always call them kids because I'm so, I'm so old. They were so impressive. Mm -hmm. um, this, what they said, I mean, I could so just see my own students speaking to me when these students called and were telling me how much Dr. Hersey meant to them and the specific things that she had done for each one of them. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, holy cow, we're doing something right when those students call right. to stick up and defend their principal. Um, and so that was really touching. And so I'm, I am happy to see this level of engagement. Now I think it's time for us just to listen to these community right. folks and listen to this engagement and then act on it. Absolutely. Um, because I believe that's, that's what it's about. I mean, when, when you are serving the community, you should want community input. Um, that's what, that's actually um, the meter that shows you how you're actually doing your job, you know, because to have a job that you are serving the community, but the community does not reach out to you, what, what are you doing? You know, because there is never going to be anywhere that everything is perfect. I mean, That's right. we would just be crazy to believe that everything is perfect and there are no problems. That's, that's just unrealistic. And so, I believe that when you're not hearing some type of criticism or there's not or, you know, that there's not someone going against, you know, or having a difference of opinion about what you're doing, you may want to question that. Yeah, I don't, you know, silence doesn't mean agreement. Absolutely. Quite often it means we just haven't engaged folks and people have given up. And so I am happy to hear uh, folks call me sometimes when they're frustrated. I mean, I got a message from somebody the other day that said, and it was so thoughtful, but he disagreed with my, my motion to terminate the contract. And, and I'm totally, of course I'm okay with somebody right. reaching out. And he had his reasons, and, right. uh, and I get it. And, and, and I want that. I want that kind of engagement because what we can't have is folks giving up. And if right. folks are calling us, if folks are emailing us, if folks are coming to the school board meetings, it means they still have hope that we can succeed. And that's what we need. And we've got to absolutely. foster that kind, of, that kind of involvement. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Robert, the first part of this has been really loaded. We are going to take a break. Um, this is Pressure Points Unpacked Podcast. If you have a question, please feel free to call in at 914-205-5361. When we come back, um, I've, I've just recently got a text message as well with a question. So we're going to address that question when we come back. So at this time, we're going to go to a commercial break. Your skin isn't just skin. It's a beautiful reflection of every single thing you've been through in life. Which is why Dove Body Wash removes your skin's ceramides and strengthens it against dryness. For instantly softer, smoother skin, you can lovingly embrace. Renew the love for your skin with Dove Body Wash. Well, welcome back to Pressure Points Unpacked Podcast, where we're here today talking with Robert Lomanac, Richland District 1 School Board Commissioner. Um, again, this month we're going to be bringing back the different um, candidates that ran for different uh, positions. And so we're going to jump back into talking with Mr. Lomanac. So, Robert, I just got a text message, and the question was, what happens if teacher vacancies are not filled? Well, I mean, that's one of the questions I've been asking is, do we have a plan B for a particular school that's got, you know, more than just a few vacancies? And, you know, I, listen, I want to be clear about something. I'm criticizing us for not retaining teachers. I mean, when a school loses 25, 30 teachers, I think we need to be asking questions because I think some of those teachers we could have kept. And that means we're not trying to recruit people because there's just not enough teachers to recruit these days. Uh, this is hard. This is a hard time for schools, not just in Richmond One, and I right. understand that. Uh, w when we have these vacancies, uh, I mean, I think it's going to depend on the school. I mean, they said recently some, some folks in the administration will be in the classroom. Uh, Long-term subs, if we can find them, will be in the classrooms. 
or as they said, I think at the last quarter meeting, you know, some class sizes may get a little bigger. Um, and so there are impacts. I tell you what my biggest concern is, you know, somebody said, well, we've got 218 vacancies. That's about four per school. Here's the problem is like everything in our public schools, uh, these are not going to be distributed equally. And so some school may have zero vacancies and another school may have nine. And my concern is for that school that has nine, the teachers and the staff who show up uh, next week in August are going to be taking on extra responsibilities. And so I'm concerned that we're going to see more teachers leave next year because they, we just can't ask our teachers and staff to do any more than they, than they already have been doing. But if you've got nine vacancies, you're really in a tough spot. I mean, we've, you know, we've had trouble with subs. I will commend the district last year. They raised a substitute teacher pay so that it was matching area districts. Um, and, and I think that helped because that was one of the issues we were having with getting mm -hmm. subs. But it, it's hard to get subs, too. And so I do worry um, that when you've got 200 or so vacancies, we're clearly not going to fill all those before school starts. But the other concern that we're forgetting is the teachers we're lo losing are experienced teachers. Uh, some of these teachers have been with the district 10 and 15 years who are now next door. Uh, I don't think wow. we should ever think that's okay. These are folks who uh, we knew were great because we kept them year after year. And so it's not just losing a teacher. It's losing all that experience that goes with it. And we've been talking, as we should, about school safety a lot. Well, one of the number one ways to keep a school safe is to have a great teacher in every single classroom. And so these vacancies worry me when it comes to safety as well. Yeah, that's, that's really a, a huge concern. And as we know, it's not just a District 1 um, issue. It is nationwide. Um, it's crucial. Um, it really is. And, you know, I, all I can do is just continue to pray, man, that we get the teachers that we need, get the teachers the help that they need so that they are able to stay um, in, the, in the school system, you know? Well, we've got to take some responsibility for this, too, because we've asked, and not just Richmond 1, but school districts all over the place uh, for years didn't truly listen to their teachers. Uh, and, and obviously, part of the blame we've got to put at the, at the uh, steps of the state legislature, and which is why I, I spent mm -hmm. last legislative session uh, testifying at some of these subcommittee hearings. Uh, but, but the school districts have to take some responsibility, too. Um, we haven't uh, proactively engaged with teachers in the way that I think we should have years ago, long before the pandemic, long before the teacher shortage. Right. And so, uh, you know, we have created uh, part of this story. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to own up to that. Uh, and again, not just District 1, but I think we've got to do things differently. And that's right. part of the reason why I've said schools that have high turnover, why aren't we there proactively talking to teachers and listening to them? I think that would go a long way to keeping those teachers and getting them to come back the following year. Um, you just mentioned that you spent time at the legislature um, testifying. So if you would, if you could kind of expound on that a little bit and tell us some of the different situations that you've been in that you've been called to testify on. Well, we've got, I mean, there's so many public education bills. And I first want to say that what I did pales in comparison to folks in other organizations. And I don't want to name them because I'll forget someone and, and get in trouble. Um, I played a very small, tiny role compared to some folks who do that literally full time all the time. Um, but, you know, we saw some bills uh, come to the legislature last year that I thought would harm public schools. For example, the uh, private school uh, voucher bill uh, I thought would be harmful and provided testimony against that bill. And it did ultimately, uh, it ultimately did not pass. Um, and I'll tell you what's interesting. One of the reasons it didn't pass is because some folks thought if you were going to go to private school, those schools should be accountable in the same way public schools. And folks didn't want to sign on to that. And to me, that's crazy that we're forcing public schools to be accountable. And I want public schools to continue to be accountable. Right. But if we're going to send public dollars to private schools, they should have to go Absolutely. by the, you know, play by the same rules. Um, and, and then there were, you know, there were some other bills. Listen, there was a bill that I know some other school board members, not just in Richmond 1, but elsewhere will disagree with me about, but it was a bill that would allow uh, non-certified teachers uh, for districts to hire non-certified teachers. And, uh, and I understand that the, the intention was good. It was a way to say, hey, there's not enough teachers to go around, but we've got to fill classrooms. Uh, you know, I was concerned that we aren't addressing the root cause of why do we have a teacher shortage? And I think the state house go to, could work a lot harder 
to help us address that issue rather than just these workarounds to fill classrooms uh, with folks. And so I, I testified against that bill, even though I, I understood that it was coming from a from a good place. Hmm. But then, so let me. Because if they allowed it, then maybe that would help fill some of the classroom vacancies. That's right. So, I mean. And, and I get it. The problem I had with it is it, to me, it, it really tells our current teachers that, that that certification you got, that expertise that mm -hmm. you got, that training you got is actually not necessary. And teaching's hard. Okay. Uh, I mean, and, okay. and, and we do, there, we provide, I mean, you don't have to go to school to become a teacher. In fact, I didn't. I went through the PACE program. Mm -hmm. I thought the PACE program was phenomenal. Um, uh, uh, the, the, the folks that ran that, I still remember Chris and Debbie, and they were just incredible uh, leaders. And it was a rigorous program. So we make it pretty easy if you want to become a teacher but didn't go to school to be a teacher. And I think those um, are better pathways than just saying, if you, you know, five days before school, you haven't filled every classroom, you can now hire non-certified teachers. Mm -hmm. However, I'll tell you, I mean, one of my dearest friends and somebody who knows more about public education than me, she pushed back a little bit and she said, listen, uh, certifications get in the way of some good teachers getting in. And so I'm willing to, to especially coming from her, I know what she's saying uh, mm -hmm. is probably true. But so let's address the certification process, but not just throw it out gotcha. um, to, to fill these vacant classrooms. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, as I told you when we talked, when I first brought you on, when you were running, you were a candidate, you know, um, that I'm here to help hold you accountable. And um, so far, I can say that from the things that we talked about um, prior to you winning, um, I'm pleased with the progress that I've seen. And so, you know, we have to, as a community, be um, for one, we have to be able to help the candidates when they when they win because I believe that, and I say this often on the show, that we can't just vote people in and then drop them. You know, there are questions that we need to ask. There are things that we expect for the candidates to do. And it is our job to hold you guys accountable, but also to find out from you how can we help. What is it that you need from us? Because we're entrusting you with a position, but we also need to make ourselves available to help you as well. So my question to you is going to be, how can the community, how can the public help you in this position? Well, you're doing it. You've got a podcast, and, <laughs> and, and you have elected officials on and ask these questions and let the community ask them questions. I mean, that's how you can help. Um, how somebody else might be able to help is, is to volunteer. And I know at the school board meeting last week, we're talking about getting volunteers back in our schools because it has been a rough couple of years in that regard because of COVID. Um, people who think that that might be a way for them to serve uh, need to contact their school to see when volunteers might be able to come back in and to see what opportunities uh, mm -hmm. for volunteers that school may need. Um, and, but also come into school board meetings or watching them online. I mean, uh, you know, and then, you know, when it's election time, uh, going to forums or talking to, to, to your neighbors and, and making sure that people really do understand the issues. doesn't mean they have to agree with you, but making right. sure they understand the issues and talking about this stuff. You know, one of the things, I mean, I constantly think about not only my students, but the kids that, that were in my nonprofit and that I'm still in touch with. Mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're now 22 years old, I think. Um, and I'll never forget this kid in, in um, eighth grade. And he had struggled in sixth and seventh, and he had gotten a ton of behavioral referrals. And, and we started working with him in eighth grade, and, and his biggest issue is that he would just get angry really quickly. And he would snap off at a teacher or a kid, and so we worked out this, this silly little plan to help him do it. And I say silly because it wasn't anything that we were really doing, mm -hmm. um, but it just was a way for him to, to uh, have to delay his anger a little bit. And in March, I realized he had not gotten a single, single behavioral referral. And I didn't want to jinx it, but I said, how have you done this? And he didn't miss a beat. He shrugged his shoulders and he said, I don't know. I just started to care. Wow. And it was a reminder that hope should not be a luxury, but mm -hmm. it is. It is a luxury for a lot of our students. And we've got to do what we can do to make sure that, um, that we're supporting kids so that, 
so that they have the, the hope and they're able to achieve it. And I will tell you, this kid went on to high school and never got another behavioral referral for the rest of his high school career. Uh, but I think about those kids when we are developing policy or when we're making decisions. Right. Um, and also when I think that we're failing, it's those students that are going to be hurt the most. It's students who need us that are going to be hurt the most. So when we talk about equity and we're talking about teacher vacancies, mm -hmm. it's the students who need our public schools the most who are going to be hurt by these teacher vacancies the most. And I really, you know, I, I see his and other faces when, when I'm talking about these issues. So I encourage folks, uh, find ways that suit you to get right. engaged because it's not going to be the same for everybody. We don't need everybody to have a podcast like you do, right. um, but everybody can find their way to get engaged. And if you want to be a volunteer, I tell you, um, I don't think there's anything cooler than right. working with middle and high school kids. I volunteer also. Well, Before, prior, prior to COVID, you know what I'm saying? But since COVID, of course, we haven't been able to get into the classrooms last year. So prayerfully, that will change um, this year. Robert, this has been fast. I mean, we're, we're, we're at the hour. So what I would like for you to do is to tell everyone how they can get in contact with you. Um, and we'll see what happens when it comes time for a campaigning. We'll see what happens then. Um, hopefully, we will be able to bring you and some of the other people that are running for school board onto Pressure Point Unpacked Podcast to let the community ask some questions, and we'll be able to talk out some things. So if you would, let us know how we can reach you um, via web, social media, all of that good stuff. <laughs> well, I'm getting, I feel older every day when I'm trying to use the social media. Uh, my cell phone number is 803 three five one zero four three six uh and my website is robert at robert lamanac.com and that's r-o-b-e-r-t at r-o-b-e-r-t l-o-m-i-n-a-c-k.com and that'll have my cell phone number my email address and all my social media stuff please feel free to get reach out anytime call text uh, email whatever all righty. Well, this is Pressure Points Unpacked Podcast. I'm your host, Tyra Little. Thank you for joining. Next week, join us. We will have Dr. Oddity Brussels on the show. Um, she's the at-large councilwoman for the city of Columbia. So see you next week. Thanks, Tyra. Thank you. It's already done. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.